بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم الحمد للہ رب العالمین وصلاۃ وسلام علیہ شرف الانبیاء والمرسلین محمد رسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وصحبہ وبارک وسلم تسلیم کثیر کثیر محمد مائی بردر اینڈ سسٹرز اینڈ ایلڈرس یسٹرڈے وی اسپوک اباؤٹ آئی اسپوک ٹو اباؤٹ دین ایشو آف لیگیسی واٹ یو لیو بہائنڈ اینڈ آئی ٹولڈ یو آور لیگیسی از دا میموریز دیٹ وی لیو بہائنڈ سو وین وی آر گون The question that I ask myself and the question I put to you is what do you want to be remembered for? Please notice I'm not saying what will you be remembered for. I'm saying I'm asking you a, a very positive question. What do you want to be remembered for? Right? Not just what will you be remembered for. The reason I'm saying that is because If you look at it from this perspective and say, what do I want to be remembered for, then inshallah you will do the kinds of things to create those memories. Now, I'm not asking you to do it for that reason. I'm not saying live your life so that people will remember me and blah, blah, blah. No, we, we, we do what we do and we should do what we do only to please Allah. This is our sincerity of, of our action, right? We are not doing it to show anybody. We are not doing it to uh, get so many likes on Facebook or whatnot. No. We are doing it sincerely for ourselves. But it's a good thought to have in your mind. Now, let me ask you a simple question. What do you remember about people? Do you remember what they had or do you remember what they did? Did, right? What they had is, makes no difference. What did they do? What they did? And in terms of what they did, what do you remember positively? Things which they did, and this is a dumb question, but I'm asking you. What do you remember positively? Things that, good things they, that, or things they did that affected you positively, or things they did which are just random or affected you negatively? Which one do you remember and honor? Good things, right? Some things which benefited you, isn't it? Now take one of the one of the great names from our Islamic history Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu the second khalifa among the things that he did and he was as i was mentioning in my khutbah today he was known for a, to be a person who took some very tough decisions very difficult decisions which other people would not have taken among those was one of the tough decisions he took was that he made the army for the first time a professional body, a professional organization where soldiers were paid salaries by the state. Until the time of Sayyidina Omar, the army was a conscript army. In those days, everyone knew, to fight. Everyone knew how to fight. I mean, it was part of the, of the raising of children that boys knew how to use a sword, they knew how to, use, how to shoot arrows and stuff. So it was part of military training was part of growing up among the Arabs and literally most of the world, right? It was a survival thing if you, because you could be raided anytime and if you couldn't defend yourself, you were dead or you were taken as a slave. So you needed to know how to defend yourself. So everyone knew that. The army was a conscript army. People just fought and they fought for the ghanima. They, they fought for the spoils of battle. As a consequence also what happened was that people got lands as part of their spoils of battle. So when Iraq was conquered, 
there were people said for example said that bilal radhiyallahu ended up with getting literally in today's terms several hundred square miles of land as his now what's he going to do with that land right suppose supposing somebody gives me 10000 square miles of land in the middle of iowa or something what 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 will i do with that land i don't have the money to uh, to supposing i say agriculture i don't have the money to buy equipment to you know farm that land i have that land is just going to lie there and that's what was happening so saidan awar radhiyallahu did two things one is he made the army into a professional army which was paid a salary and the spoils of battle he took them all into the state and then he said these will be allocated as per a person's capacity to use them and generate revenue which will be taxed by the state so he created a proper revenue taxation system so now if you had the land which the land which they got in iraq which was beautiful between the tigris and the euphrates rivers with fertile land but no matter how fertile the land is unless you can till it unless you have the uh, the the wherewithal the knowledge as well as the the, the resources to farm the land it's not going to do anything for you so he gave it to farmers and it became the food bowl of the of the empire because it was beautiful land people he gave it to the people who could farm it and then he taxed it and and people now this whole system was created by sayyidina umar ibn al-khattab radhiyallahu now that is his legacy as far as people are concerned uh, people of those times people of our times if you look at what what is the legacy of sayyidina umar ibn al-khattab now the reason i'm saying this to you is because this was a very difficult decision sayyidina umar came in for a huge amount of criticism from people people said you are changing the quran people said you are changing the law of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam you are doing this you are doing that you have no right to take away my land said an umar said i don't care what you say this is how it is going to be happen and he said the, the reason i'm doing it is for the benefit of the community for the benefit of everyone i am not taking a single cent out of it and that was his that was his single biggest strength said an umar radhiyallahu never built a palace for himself he never built a house for himself they say that in his entire khilafa he did not lie down to sleep he would sleep sitting or he would sleep he he was famous for sleeping standing leaning against a wall or something but he created a culture where one of the most impactful stories is that as follows he used to as you know he used to go and patrol madina in the night right he used to take somebody with him and he used to, he would go and uh, in the night he used to walk around and see how people are doing so he went to one place and he overheard a conversation between two women it was a mother and daughter the mother was saying to the daughter mix water in the milk so the people who are you know they used to sell milk and uh, make a living and the mother is saying to the daughter mix water in the milk because then you know they the volume increases so they 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 can make some more money the daughter says to the mother but the khalifa umar ibn al khattab has prohibited us from doing that because this is dishonesty the mother says umar ibn al khattab is not here now he is not seeing what you are doing 
The daughter says, Umar ibn al-Khattab is not seeing, but the Rabb of Umar ibn al-Khattab is seeing. The God of Umar ibn al-Khattab is seeing. That's the culture he created. So then what did he do? Next morning, he sent somebody to that house. He said, go find out what's the story. And he sent them, he said, go early and get that milk and bring the milk. So buy the milk, bring the milk. So the man went, he brought the, he bought the milk and he told the mother and daughter that the Khalifa wants to see them. So they came to the court. He got the milk checked and the milk was not adulterated. That means the water was not mixed and this woman had not been able to, the girl didn't do it. He asked them, who are you and so on, so on. So this uh, mother said, well, you know, my husband is uh, passed away. I am alone and this daughter, there's two of us, nobody else. So the Nawar of the Khatab then says, he called his sons. And he says, this is the story. And this is a young woman who is a muttaqi. She knows Allah in her heart. He asked the mother, he said, are you looking for a husband for your daughter? So the mother says, yes, but who will marry my daughter? I, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I have nothing. He said, don't worry about that. He asked, he's called his sons. He's called Abdullah bin Omar. He said, are you interested in marrying this girl? Abdullah bin Omar said, I have a, I have a wife already. I'm not interested in marrying her. Second son, asked him. Bin Omar ibn al-Khattab, he asked him, he said, are you interested? He said, asked him, said, yes, I don't have a wife. I would like to marry the girl. So this girl, who's, who was the daughter of, uh, whose father passed away, she was an orphan, had nothing, was married to the son of the king, so to speak. Son of the Khalifa. And they say that Umar bin Abdul Aziz, rahmatullahi the Khalifa of Banu Maya, after Abdul Malik bin Marwan, was from the children of these two. The point I want to make here is that that is the legacy of Umar ibn al-Khattab to create people who were so conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in their own lives. Ordinary people. We are not talking here about some great sheikh or something. We are talking about some woman who is selling milk. But that was the level of their connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and their connection and their awareness that I am a person and my God is watching me and I am answerable to him. What a beautiful legacy. And that's why I want to end with asking you and reminding myself that let us live our lives thoughtfully and consciously focusing on what are the memories that I will leave behind when I am gone. Live a life which is worthy of that. Not just randomly live. Because you know, if, if remember, I sometimes, I sometimes say, if you just live, you eat, you drink, you uh, enjoy yourself, you make some money, you know, you make a few babies and you die, then what's the difference between you and a cow? No, really, I mean, you know, when the cow eats more and the cow drinks more, and the cow makes more babies, and, I mean, what's the big difference? There should be some difference, right? And that difference doesn't come out of just being a mammal. It comes out of 
head and heart of being thoughtful and living a life which is thoughtful and living a life which is conscious of the one who created us. And a Muslim must be somebody from whom only good comes to everyone who is in touch with them. Whether that other person is a Muslim or not is immaterial. In Islam there is no differentiation between the rights of a Muslim and the rights of a non-Muslim. No, zero difference. Everyone is treated equally. A Muslim must be a source of benefit to every person, every cat, every dog, every tree, every drop of water, every gust of air, whatever is in the surrounding, must only get benefit from us. That is our legacy. Inshallah. وَصَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَى نَبِيِّ الْكَرِيمِ وَعَلَى عَلِهِ وَصَابِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ بِرَحْمَتِكَ يَا رَحْمَ الرَّحِ